Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jason Knight, and this week we talk about connecting businesses and consumers and Africans making software for Africans. We find out what are the pros and cons of working for lawyers who can be quick to say, OBJECTION to your product. We speak about how important it is to maintain a healthy work-life balance, about mentoring, and ask the most important question of the night, how can someone survive without pizza? For answers to all these questions and more, please join us on One Night in Product. So my guest tonight is Busaimi Omatosho, Keen Baker, Google Developers Group Coordinator, Certified Product Manager at Softcom based in Lagos, Nigeria. Absolutely hates pizza, so I'm trying to work out if she would or would not fit in at Amazon. Hi, Busayomi. How are you tonight? Hi. Oh, my God. Hi. It's nice to talk to you. I think I love that introduction about uh, me fitting into Amazon because I don't like pizza. Hmm. Interesting. Well, they're all about the two pizza teams, right? That's the whole thing about uh, Amazon. So if you if you don't like pizza, and actually that's my first question because even saying the word pizza makes me want a pizza. <laughs> so I'm wondering what your beef is with pizza. Uh, I think it's because of the pizza types that we have available here. So I guess if I move or if I join, if I get to live in a different place and I try out a different pizza that doesn't have onions, that's a huge thing. <laughs> That doesn't have onions. I guess I might be able to eat it, but then. So as long as you move to another country that sells pizza without onions, yes, then you may one day get to work at Amazon and and be on a two pizza team. Good. That would be a goal if I work with Amazon, though. So uh, I will see what I can do. <laughs> so so down to business. Uh, Softcom, who you work for at the moment, who is Softcom, and what problem does Softcom solve? Okay, so Softcom is a people enabler um, and the goal now is to enable people be included across Africa where um, so far as you're an African um, the goal is to have you be feel included and also enable you grow in the long term. So when you say included what sort of inclusion are you are you talking about? So inclusions in every aspect so from money so literally just saying oh I can have access to payments anywhere at any point in time for an individual, for a business owner, being able to have tools that would allow you manage your businesses. Also for that same business owner to kind of, if you want to capture data, uh, what kind of data can you capture and tools that are made for Africans by Africans. I think that would pretty much sum it up. So obviously you're based in Nigeria, but is it kind of a pan-African kind of effort or or is it focused on specific parts of Africa or, or, or how does that work? So for now, it's focused on Nigeria at the moment, but then we're hoping to kind of scale to other parts of Africa in the years to come. So yeah. Okay. So it obviously sounds like a good effort, but but what do you do for Softcom? So I manage a data collection product for Softcom, and that product has literally been used not just in Nigeria, but also in Europe as well to gather data. So it's pretty much a tool that enables um, organizations, consultants, cons- mostly consultancy agents or research agencies who gather data on behalf of their clients to ensure that that data collection process is digitized and is seamless. So whoever needs to get data in real time can actually see that data in real time. 
Cool. Sound, it sounds good. So so is that a very technical product that you're working on? Do you have to get involved in quite a lot of the technology or are you working very, very kind of uh, more strategically and, and, and on, on the business and, and the kind of the market side of that? So for now, I have actually been more of a technical PM, but then occasionally I double into the marketing side of things where I help with um, the messaging on the website what messaging are we trying to pass across to the map to the um, public? Who are we trying to target? How do we want them to perceive the product? So occasionally, even do demos a lot of times and even training. So yeah, it's a mix of both, but heavily more technical. And you're you're selling into into like quite big businesses, is that right? Or is it? Do you have quite like a a, a range of different types of size of company that you're that you're selling into? So for now, we've focused on really large corporations. So you have like really large companies in telco, really large companies in FMCG, really large companies in consulting, and even large organizations in NGOs and agri-Greek sector. So it's, we focus majorly on the large corporations for now, but we're hoping to scale up to scale down to smaller corporations and smaller businesses. Again, because of the new companies go to inclusion. So we need to scale to everybody as opposed to just a group of people. Right. So your so your next your next goal or one of your future goals then is to actually work out how to kind of operate on those different tiers and yes. And, and, and make sure that you can support them all. Because obviously that could be considered a tricky a tricky the tricky way to start big and go small rather than start small and go big. But I guess uh it, it, I'm not sure what it's like over there, but but I'm I'm assuming that it's kind of similar to 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 over here, where you know, the the bigger the company, the the longer it takes to sell to them as well. Which uh, definitely, definitely, I think it's actually the same across any country. So B two B is kind of similar across board. They have longer sales conversion time, a high conversion cost rate. So I mean, there's that. Is literally the same thing everywhere. And have you got quite a lot of users on the platform or is it still very much on the sort of scaling up side? Um, it's still very much on the scaling up side because of the fact that it was it's currently still majorly B2B. So you have you have the numbers, but then like typically B2B aren't so much. Like numbers aren't that a lot, aren't a lot. So we have a few. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, just full disclosure. I also work in enterprise B two B, so I'm I'm well aware of, of some of the struggles. So definitely, definitely on your side there. <laughs> uh, but before you, before you were at Softcom, you you were a product manager at a place called Next Council. Yes. Which uh, looks to me like legal tech. Yes. Now I have quite an interesting background. Yeah. Now, legal tech seems like a pretty fascinating area, but also. And again, maybe this is just my own biases showing, but it, it feels like the the legal profession and, and lawyers would not necessarily be the most necessarily sort of agile, kind of technically advanced people. To, to the, you know, there's a lot of tradition. <laughs> there's a lot of tradition in in, in in legal circles, and they're using a lot of traditional practices. So, so how was it working in what was presumably quite a disruptive company in, in, in a traditional industry? Quite well, actually. So you'll be you'll be very shocked at the amount of um, legal firms, but not just in Nigeria, but then like globally, that actually use softwares. Funny enough, and there's a whole market for softwares 
targeted majorly at legal, the legal industry. What they've done is to pick a problem and solve for it. So, for example, um, the most common problem across all legal firms is being able to manage their cases, um, their client cases, being able to record them, have a record somewhere, being able to be able to track, oh, this is the stage this client case has reached. Have we finished this client case? Have we closed it out? Or is it still pending? Or is it still in the pipeline? Right. Just being able to know that, oh, these are the number of cases we have, and these are the number of cases we've closed out. These are the number of cases that are still pending and what type of case it is. So you have litigation, you have your pro bono, you have different types of cases, right? Just being able to know that somewhere you have a stockpile that is digital and that is accessible to anybody anywhere. So, I mean, you have really, um, you have softwares that have targeted just that bit of things. And then you have other softwares that have targeted just the time. So another problem with lawyers is um, they have issues tracking their time. So the amount of time they spend on a particular um, case, because they bill by time. But then if you're not able to track how much time you spend on a particular case, you can't build client appropriately. Um, and then that in turn gives, makes the law firm lose a lot of money in the end, because then they are paying the people's salary. They're also paying for um, operational bills and they need to um, also make profit. So, yeah. I think that segues me into the product that I was managing. And that product kind of catered to all aspects of a law firm. So think of a law firm. Law firm is still a business. It has HR. It has finance. It has the time management that speaks to the the lawyers themselves. And it also has case management that speaks to the lawyers themselves. So all four were actually part of the product I was working on. But then they were all in singular modules. So you had time management. A client said, oh, I want time management alone. I already have a case management module program. Uh, so we just deploy time management. Somebody needs a case management module. We deployed case management module. Somebody needs an HR system to manage their KPIs, staff, salaries, and all of that. We deploy the HR and the account model. Then over time, we started ha- having them request for, oh, um, now that you've helped us solve the case, the time, the HR, the account, how do we attach documents that are related to a particular case on this system? So we initially could only attach one document, but then they were like, but there are like five people working on this case. How does that work? Um, we need somewhere where we can actually have the same structure on the case management model in a document management model. So we built that. That was actually my baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I got to see that product grow from just an idea to the first beta test where we deployed. Again, we had a lot of bugs. Uh, I, I think sometimes I had to, I was asking, why are we doing this? And then you see, you go to those clients and then that's where you see the traditional aspect of lawyers come out at you. <laughs> Yeah, you, you don't want to. You don't want to make lawyers angry, right? Because they'll sue you. Yeah, and then someone, some of them are threatening you with lawsuits, and you're, you're just <laughs> feign like a very you feign a smile and then move on. <laughs> but then, I mean, after like several versions of deploying and having test groups, so what we started doing was the first one we deployed generally for a particular law firm. We had a discussion with the law firm and told them, "Oh, we know that you've been having this issue, and we've." built something that will solve this issue. Would you like to test it out? 
So initially deployed to the entire company, but then we that that failed because <laughs> <laughs> the backlash wasn't so nice. So what we did was for the subsequent beta testing, we then had an agreement with management and the IT guys who then gave us a group of people. So we started with like a group of 15 to 30, depending on the law firm size. So we went to the top tier law firms and then those who have like over 200 um, lawyers. So we do like 20 and then deploy to those people, have them tested out for about a week or two. And then I'll go back, check, ask questions. If there's any issue, I would take that feedback to the engineering team, would fix it, then deploy another version, ask, is it better than the last one? If it's yes, then we keep upgrading till we finally got a stable version that we could deploy to three other law firms successfully. So yeah, it was it was quite a journey actually. So it sounds like a journey. Um, yeah, <laughs> seems like it's probably given you some valuable experience and uh, definitely uh, de- <laughs> makes makes it feel like uh, you probably can't have a harder job than that. Although I'm sure your current job and future jobs will try and disagree. But uh, I think I'm not sure actually. I think comparing my current job to my role at Next Council, I think that was actually a lot more tasking. Because then um, I was in direct contact with customers. If something broke, and I wasn't just managing one product. So I just explained the process that happened with only one model. And we had like five. (laughs) So I met four. Actually, I met three and a half, actually. Then I scaled one. I scaled the half to a full-fledged model and then built the extra model. So that by the time I was leaving, we had five. Um, but then before I left, what we realized was we couldn't be managing all five individually because they had different clients that had different requests. So some wanted three modules, some wanted two, some wanted four, some wanted all five. So what would happen is when there was a bug on one, you'd now have to remember what modules that person has access to. And then we offered custom customization to that became an issue. So even the developer that was building had issues remembering what he had done, what the customizations looked like. So time was waste, time was being spent, and we were not getting work done for the client easily. So what we did was we decided to have like a unified system that had all five modules in one, and then have a toggle button where if on our own end, so if the client doesn't want any more than if the client wants only one model, we deploy one model to you. But then we're not trying to manually make each of these models work together. So moving into almost like microservices and stuff like that almost. Exactly. So, yeah. So we employed microservices. I think that was the first time I actually had microservices. Uh, there you go. So, again, trial by fire. <laughs> but one thing you said you're passionate about, uh, which seems really related actually, is process creation and efficiency. Yes. Now, that obviously is really relevant to some of the stuff you were talking about with regards to kind of making the lawyers' lives easier and stuff like that and making sure they were on top of their work. Yeah. But obviously also, when you start talking about process creation and efficiency, it starts to sound less like product management and more like project management, mm-hmm. which is obviously a, a common split in, in opinion about who you know, which team does what. Now, I guess my question is, why are you explicitly passionate about process creation and efficiency? Uh, and and how do you how do you see that fitting into your product management role? Okay, so um, that part isn't 
So I would say it's it's helped, but it's not really been the basics. It's kind of for me um, a habit thing. So whether I'm at work or whether it's related to my work, I just see if I'm somewhere and something needs to get done and I see it's not efficiently done. I kind of pick it and look at it. Okay, how can we make this work? And then the end goal is to get the outcomes, the outcome that we want. And at the same time, can someone else pick up from where I stop and run the show, regardless of me being there or not? So I think a perfect example would be the place I worked before Next Council, which was an e-commerce startup, where I got there. We had two different sellers, um, customers. We had a buyer and we had a seller. But then there was no um, laid out processes for how to contact the seller. There were no efficient, there were no records per se. So a seller sends you an item and then you just dump it. You just write it somewhere and that, oh, this person gave you an item. But then there's no laid out criteria. There's no sheet or a process where you can even send to the seller and say, oh, if you're pitching somebody to sell their clothes, what, when they ask you, what does it entail? You don't have a laid out steps, set of steps that they know that, oh, this is what I need to get done before I can, before my clothes can get accepted or sold. So those are the things I started doing. I looked at them like, if somebody comes to me and says, oh, how do I sell my clothes? What do I need to do? What are the criteria? There's nothing. So things like just having documents on hand, creating those documents, what are the seller criteria for you to be a seller, these, these and this. So when a seller asks you, you can actually send that document without having to go through a long conversation with them. Also, just letting them know that after this step, there's this set of steps after that would that it would take for us to get to that final stage of selling. Um, things like how long it would take for us to credit you when you um, when your items get sold. Very business oriented processes in terms of oh, if your item gets sold, this is how many days you get this. This um, you get your money after this number of days. If we reject an item, these are the things that you need to take. Um, you would incur um, delivery costs back to you and a bunch of other things. Then uh, at Next Council, how, I, how process drove me is I'd like to work where things are organized in a way. It might still be, there might, I mean, there's good, there, it, it's good to have a little bit of spontaneity here and there, but then there needs to be a process that functions because when things go south, you know what to do at that point. There's a, there's a channel to answer that problem or to solve that problem. So you're not trying to brainstorm it and spend more time. And it kind of leads to less time, spending less time trying to resolve it and getting the customer happy. For me, processes is how do I make uh, my job easy and how do I make other people's jobs easy? So if it's anything that fits through me, I try to make there a process. So everybody knows that, oh, it's your job to do this. It's your job to do this. And that your job affects somebody else. So, yeah. You also said that you're passionate about mental health in, in product management. Now, obviously, we all know that product management can be a tough gig. Yes, um, it is. <laughs> and there's always, there's always someone having a go at you. Uh, and that, that's obviously part of, part of what we sign up for. But I wondered like how your journey has been and, and some of the approaches that, that, that you've seen or that you've taken yourself to kind of maintain a, a certain level of inner peace with all of this stuff. I think for me, it's been 
a very long, hard journey where initially you kind of tie everything about you to your work and just like efficiency. And then over time, you start to realize that you might need to have other parts of your life that would help balance the troubles and what's the word? Punching blows or blows that come at you at work. So things like started, I started, that was when I picked up um, some habits. So I picked up baking. But not pieces. <laughs> so it kind of relaxes me when I'm stressed. Baking in terms of nothing too stressful. So I'm not trying to bake your industry standard bread. <laughs> I'm looking at baking your very easy, that um, Dutch pot type of bread. The one you bake in the touch pots, yes, that is my favorite, actually. I love baking <laughs> it. I started with that. Then I moved to baking cookies. So, yeah, there's that. And then um, what I do is I take time off. So I have a specific time that I work. So usually work is 9 to 5, Mondays to Friday. So I occasionally extend it to maybe like 6 or 7, depending on um, what what's going on. But after that time, I just close up and actually have me time. Um, watch a movie, chat with friends, take a walk, um, read a book, or even just listen to music and dance, depending on how my <laughs> Yeah, no one, no one needs to see me do that. <laughs> um, but then I also picked up being healthy. So I started running in the mornings. Not every day, please. I, I, I don't <laughs> think I'm really eager to reach a fit farm body in a month. So yeah, I picked up running and I also exercise with this um, Nike training app. So yeah, that's been really good. And I try to drink a glass or a bottle of wine. <laughs> well, yes, there's that. <laughs> yes, there's that. Um, and then I try to have fun and just go for parties, games night, um, or even just have a beach day over just to kind of cool off and let, let off steam. Yeah, that would definitely be a different, uh, different experience if you wanted to take a beach day here at this time of the year anyway. You'd, you'd definitely cool <laughs> off. So you're keen on growth as a product manager. And I know you've taken a bunch of courses because it says so on your LinkedIn. And you're not just a product manager, but you're a certified product manager. So... What are some of the best courses you've been on and, and, and some of the best things that you've learned through these courses? I think one of the best courses I've been on is, there are two, actually. One is kind of local, and that's local to Nigeria. Um, that would be Product Dive. That kind of helped crystallize um, concepts that are just done out of, oh, I think this process would work. And then you later go for the product, the training, and then you realize, oh, okay, I've done this. Oh, so that's what this concept is about. And I kind of learned a lot more. Um, then the other was the AIPMM, the International um, Product Management Certification. And that one was very useful in terms of product marketing and product scaling as well. So it kind of piqued my interest in product marketing and how products are managed and even how products are being um, viewed from a company level in terms of portfolio wise right so so really getting into the the whole strategic thing as well and 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 making sure that you're, like we said earlier that you're not just involved in the technical side but actually taking it holistically 
Although I don't like that word very much. <laughs> didn't didn't we meet on a product dive thing originally? Yes, I think that's actually think where we met. That is where we met. That's where we we first. Yeah, I think it was the episode with Jana mm-hmm. of Prodpad. Yes, yes, I remember. Yeah, I remember it well. And also, you said that you're you're keen to kind of pay it forward and and help other product managers grow into their careers. Yes. Are you in, are you involved in any specific initiatives around that, or is it more kind of ad hoc mentoring when you when you speak to people? Or yes, ad hoc actually at the moment. So someone needs help, they reach out to me. I give some help, have some tips on how to um, better cope with those situations. Pans out well, and we continue that relationship. So yeah. So is that kind of local via things like Product Dive or is that more of an international thing via something like LinkedIn? For now, it's local. It's mostly through WhatsApp or face-to-face. Mostly within my office with my colleagues. And then there are a few people that I'm kind of helping at the moment. So, yeah. And what advice would you give for an aspiring product manager starting out in the wonderful world of product management? Learn not to say no outrightly, because that would get <laughs> you very want. <laughs> Learn um, how to manage people, because that's a huge part of your job. Um, whether you're managing the dev or whether you're managing a marketing person or even just a stakeholder, a higher stakeholder, you would need to know how to manage each one of them um, individually. You can't use the same method for one stakeholder for the other. Communicate as well. Always communicate. So don't, um, don't wait till when it's crunch time and then you're now giving excuses because that's actually how they will see it, excuses. So communicate at the beginning, communicate in the middle, communicate at the end. That way, even when things don't turn out as they should, because those people have been ca- um, carried along throughout the process, it kind of reduces the amount of, should I say, backlash or reaction you get from them in eventuality. And then you kind of, along the line, you kind of get some supporters who would help you as well. So in your case, when it's when you're not in those rooms to make a case. What else can I tell? Oh, don't be afraid to point things out and say your mind. So when you don't think something is going to work right, Speak out, but also have the data to back it as well. Not just your opinion. Speak out, but then have data to back it as well. Recognize how your power dynamic in that company is, because that's very key to knowing how your role will pan out. So first things, I think your first 30 days, know how the hierarchy works. Is it top down? Is it um, bottom up? Or is it a mixture of both? And know when each of those, those dynamics play out. So you know how to handle each of those situations. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a good selection of, of tips. We should uh, we should get those laminated and and, and pass <laughs> out to product managers around the world. But another question that I just thought of is, obviously, you like to to decompress and go to these beach parties that we've been talking about. Now, let's imagine you went to one of these parties and. You met a new person and, and they, 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 they burst your bubble of relaxation by asking you what, what you do for a living. Hmm. And how would, you, how would you explain product management to that person? Hmm. 
I won't lie. I kind of struggle. I still struggle with defining it too. <laughs> I had a, That's why it's a good question. Yeah. I had my elder brother over the weekend ask me, oh, what, what does a product manager do? And I was like, hmm, okay. So I think to a child, it will be easier to explain from a game point of view or um, somebody, the person who builds this game for you to be able to play to ensure that you continuously enjoy these games and you continuously see the games that you like is the person behind it is the product manager. The person who coordinates the effort behind this is the product manager. I like to see a product manager as a coordinator. You don't own the idea, but you coordinate people to do something, to build something, to market something, to get make sure that the product gets to the hand of the customer. You also coordinate people to ensure that the customer stays, the customer is satisfied. Literally, what you're doing is you're coordinating. So you don't own it. You're not the support person. Sometimes, depending on the size of the company that you're in, um, you might function double as a support person, but you don't own the idea. You're literally just coordinating people to get something done. So... Either you're aligning with senior management to ensure that what you're building aligns with what they want and ensuring that the guys that are supposed to build that are aligned. You're literally just coordinating people. That's literally how I can um, explain product management. Yeah, uh, so that's a good effort. Uh, I always struggle with the question as well. So, (laughs) yeah, uh, it's it's the, the, the typical problematic question (laughs) cool and where can people find you if they want to get in touch and and find out more from you or or share stories oh okay i'm literally on all platforms social media twitter instagram linkedin but then i'd rather um, people reach out to me via twitter or linkedin in particular i'm actually way more active on linkedin than on twitter funny enough so if you reach out to me on linkedin i am you would have a, there's a 99.9% chance of actually <laughs> responding and actually um, taking our time to listen to you. Likewise with Twitter as well. But yeah. I will make sure to put the relevant links into the, the show notes. Well, that's been a fantastic chat. And uh, obviously, thanks for, for spending the time. And let's keep in touch. And yeah, thanks very much. Definitely. Thank you so much for your time too, Jason. It was lovely chatting with you. Thanks very much for listening. As ever, I'd appreciate it if you could find the time to rate or review this show on the podcast app of your choice, share it around with all your friends, listen to any of our old episodes take your fancy, and come back for the next episode where we have a special giveaway prize. Till then, thank you very much and good night. <laughs>